All right, well, we're going to be stepping into God's Word this morning, and we're going to keep the worship team on the platform because we're going to be singing, uh, wrapping our hearts and minds around some devotional thoughts, and then dropping uh, our favorite traditional Christmas songs into that along the way. And... uh, and there's a little note page that I would invite you to just to grab that, have that handy. All the verses that you see on that note page will be on the screen as well. But uh, just ask you to have that uh, handy in case you want to jot down a note or two along the way. And let me just take a moment now and uh, commit our time in the Word to the Lord. Well, Father, you have given us just a, a special start to our, our day, uh, singing to your great name, praying to you, giving our gifts to you. Uh, thinking about the, the lessons you want to teach us regarding our adoption into your family through, through the Bears and, and through the Allens and, and, and Cora and Ryder. We just say thanks. And now we look to you to be our, our encouragement and our teacher as we prepare our hearts for Christmas week. We want to step into your word. You wrote this word for us. You've preserved it for us. And we don't want to miss anything that you have for us today. So thanks in advance. May you get all the glory as we, as your people, uh, wrap our hearts around your word together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, Star Wars opened on Friday, right? Yeah? (laughs) Yes, yes, of course. How many of you got to that opening? Not a single person. But you will be going to see it, I am sure. Well, all right, Danny got there. He's a hardcore guy, yeah. But I'm guessing many of you will, and a lot of people did get to the opening. In fact, uh, Star Wars opening on Friday set a a new record for opening day ticket sales. $250 million were spent on Friday to watch that film worldwide. And so uh, I'm glad the timing of that worked out because um, we're very familiar in our lifetime and in, in our age groups with the idea of, of the high-tech movie magic and the computer-generated characters and all of that stuff. And I'm going to ask you to kind of think in those terms in this moment. I'd like to ask you to imagine uh, a movie that we would create And it would be a science fiction movie scene in which an alien spaceship lands on the lawn of the White House and from it emerge beings from another galaxy. Now, can you imagine that with me? And we'll kind of help you. We'll nudge you along the way, all right? So that's the scene. That's the movie that that we're, we're talking about here. The Secret Service surrounds the spaceship and... Weapons are at the ready as the president kind of collects himself and steps out onto the lawn. And, and the aliens have a language translating device, of course, right? they got to have one of those. And they say, greetings, earth leader. We come in peace. And the president, though he's understandably shaken, nevertheless composes himself and with some effort says, well, 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 well that, that's, that's good news. That's, that's very good news that you have come in peace on behalf of the people of the earth. Welcome. And then the president asks the question that he knows the whole world would want him to ask. 
He says, forgive me for being so direct, but may I ask, why have you come? Why have you come to us? Well, the aliens are visibly pleased by this question and using their translating device, they begin to give several reasons why they have traveled billions of miles and risked untold hazards to come to this little blue dust speck in space. And each reason that they give is logical, it's reasonable, it's fortified with genuine expressions of of goodwill. And so then this marks the beginning in this movie, this imaginary movie that we're making, this, this marks the beginning of the most amazing, dramatic, life-altering, destiny-changing moment in human history. Beings from two different worlds come together in, and, and form a most extraordinary relationship, one that changes the lives of both of them forever. You're imagining all this with me, right? Now, of course, we know that this particular movie would never make it to the big screen. And it would never make it to the big screen because it doesn't have laser beams and death rays and the force. And it doesn't have Star Wars carnage all over it. At best, it's just imagination working overtime. But... What is just science fiction and imagination, I would submit to you, church family, does in fact at the very first Christmas become reality. It becomes life-altering, destiny-changing reality as Almighty God comes to our earth and into our world to be with us. Amen? That's not imagination. That's not science fiction. God travels from the glories of heaven, not just billions of miles, but an infinite distance. And he doesn't come to the White House lawn, but to a lowly stable in an obscure little Judean town in the first century. And there, only hours old and virgin born, he, God, Jesus, is lying in a feeding trough. That's not imagination. That's the real deal. His arrival is announced by others who come from this same heavenly realm, and and they sing a very well-known and reassuring song, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace to the inhabitants of the world. They declare that God has come and that he has come in peace. And that is good news, isn't it? Well, that's not just good news. That, that's, that's, that's great good news. God has come in peace. But unlike our imaginary alien encounter on the White House lawn, no one at that very first Christmas asks the all-important question that the world should want to know. And what is that question? Why? Have you come? Jesus, why have you come? Now, perhaps Jesus, as God in infant flesh, was really not in a position to answer that question in that particular moment. But as Jesus grew into adulthood, 
what we discover is that he does, in fact, answer this question. Why have you come? He answers it many times and in several different ways on the pages of Scripture, in the Gospel record. And so today, on this Sunday of Christmas week, as we remember Jesus coming uh, to earth in human form, let's, let's just hear from him a little bit. Let's, let's hear from his own lips as he answers the question that the whole world really needs to know the answer to. Why have you come, Jesus? From a number of different places, Jesus says, here is why I came. Time will only let us pause briefly on any of his answers, but I think it'll be enough time for the Holy Spirit to maybe just prepare our hearts a little bit more for this week that stretches before us now. Uh, and, and we'll be celebrating Christmas on Friday. So Jesus, why have you come? Well, one of his answers is waiting for us uh, on your note page, and we'll put it on the screen as well, in John chapter 18 and verse 37, where Jesus says, For this purpose I was, what? Born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Jesus says, I was born and I came into the world. Now, we can't get much more Christmassy than that, right? Because both of those are references to Christmas. They're references to the first, to the the coming of Jesus in Bethlehem. Wrapped up in those words for Jesus and for us are are all the things we associate with Christmas. The, The Old Testament prophecies that foretold his coming. Thoughts of a young, engaged couple, Mary and Joseph. The, the Bethlehem as the birthplace, a, a virgin birth. Angels and shepherds and, 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 and magi coming from the east. All of that and more is, is really wrapped up in the words, I was born, I have come. But does, Jesus, in this verse, doesn't just tell us that he has come. He tells us why he has come, at least in part why he has come, because unless he shares the reason for his coming, the the true meaning of Christmas can never be properly understood, and he knows that. And so he shares with us just one of his reasons for coming to us here. He says there is such a thing as truth, absolute truth. And I have come... I was born, Jesus says, to testify, to proclaim the truth. You know, we've been told a lie by the modern day philosophers and morality shapers of our culture. We've been told a lie. They tell us that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Truth in the hearts and minds of many in our world is relative, isn't it? It's relative. Circumstances dictate what is true and what is not true. And so your truth is yours and my truth is mine. There is no such thing as absolute truth. And yet Jesus says, no, there is such a thing as objective, absolute truth. Truth that will be as true the 10 millionth time that you declare it as it was the first time that you declared it. There is absolute truth. And this truth comes from a place, Jesus says, that I come from. It comes from heaven. It is God's truth that I come to declare. 
I came into the world to testify to the truth that comes from God alone. The truth that there is only one God, that sinners can have a personal relationship with this one God, and they can have that relationship through faith in me. That's the truth. And I came to declare that truth, to tell that truth. Church family, if we know nothing else about Jesus, we know that what he says is true. Why? Because he's God. And God doesn't lie, right? The people of earth can stake their lives and their eternities on anything that Jesus says. I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And then Jesus would add something else in answer to our question, why have you come? Well, John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says this. For I have come down from heaven. What is that, church family? That's Christmas, isn't it? I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In other words, Jesus didn't come to us to fulfill his own ambitions, to accomplish his own goals, or to seek his own glory. He didn't come for that, he says. He came to accomplish purposes that were in the heart of the Father before the foundations of the world were even laid. I came to accomplish the will of the Father. That's why I came. Now Jesus is going to tell us in just a moment what the will of the Father was for him. Before we do that, though, why don't we just pause and sing a couple of our favorite Christmas songs together. Let's stand together to do that. Jesus, why have you come? He said earlier that he came to tell us the truth and that he came to accomplish God's will for us. But what was that will? What was God's will for Jesus when he sent him to our world that very first Christmas? Two words come to my mind. Lost and bound. Lost and bound. Now, we are familiar with the term lost and found, right? We go back to our days as kids in in school and remember the big box outside the school office, right? The lost and found box. We're a little less familiar with the phrase, perhaps, lost and bound. And yet, Those two words perfectly describe every person born into our world, right? We are born lost, and we are born bound. The Bible tells us that. And and God's will was to send Jesus so that we might be found and set free. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, representing us and doing exactly what we would have done had we been there with them they chose to defy God's word to disobey his expressed will and and they ran away from him and sold themselves and us out to an enemy whose name is Satan and we were sold into slavery to sin and to death and that is really what our Bibles declare in Genesis chapter 3 that sad story and by virtue of our sin we all became in that moment hopelessly lost, spiritually lost, and separated from God. 
because of sin. But Jesus says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man, what? Came. What is that? That's Christmas, isn't it? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To save us. It was God's will that we not remain lost and enslaved to Satan's sin and death. And so, in effect, Jesus is telling us in this verse here, through these words, that he came to earth, he came to Bethlehem, and, 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 and to that very first Christmas, he came really on a rescue mission, didn't he? It was a rescue mission to find the lost, to seek them out and to find them, and to save them. That's why he came. And how will you do that, Jesus? And in doing that, how will you fulfill the will of your heavenly Father? Well, Jesus answers that question for us as well. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where he says these words, For even the Son of Man did not come. What is that? Christmas. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, for us. Church family, do you suppose we could just read that verse off of the screen together? Just declare it as a church family. Let's do that. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says the Son of Man came to serve by giving his life as a ransom. Although we know this, let me simply declare it. We have Christmas today, this week, because we needed ransoming, right? That is why we are celebrating Christmas this week. That's why we're doing it. The world may not be doing that, but we're doing that. We're celebrating Christmas this week because we needed to be ransomed. That word ransom that Jesus chooses here, it means to make a payment that will release someone from some kind of bondage, the payment that will set the one who is bound free. That was us, remember? We were lost and we were bound. We were all born into this world, slaves to sin and under a a cruel master. Jesus declares that his coming was so that we could, he could make that once and for all payment to holy God that would that would release us from sin's bondage, from sin's penalty, and set us free from Satan's power. He pays the sin debt, the ransom price that we could never pay on our own so that we could be free. Not bound, but free. He substitutes himself. That was the Father's will. God's will is to pay the price for us. His holiness, his justice, demanded that price, and Jesus says, I'm willing to be the ransom price. And he goes to the cross for us. Satan and the grave would have to release their hold on us the moment that we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We're no longer lost. We're no longer bound. We have been found, and we are free. Jesus says, that's why I came. In fact, Jesus sheds even more light on this moment of ransom when he says this in John chapter 12 and verse 27. And this is 
is a statement that he makes only hours before he goes to the cross for us. He says, Now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come. What is that? Christmas. For this purpose, I have come to this hour. Even knowing as sinless God that he would soon take our sin upon himself, Jesus says, I came to ransom. I came to ransom back to God that which was lost and that which was bound. It was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Let's sing together. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Jesus, why have you come? His answer, I came to proclaim heaven's truth and to accomplish God's will, to save the lost and to personally and to permanently pay the ransom price that sets sinners free and allows them to experience a forever relationship with the living God. That's why I came. But then he quickly adds another reason for the first Christmas. Jesus will say this in Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come. Remember, that's Christmas. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I have come to call the sick, the spiritually sick, to repentance. The word repent, it comes from a first century Greek word that means to turn 180 degrees from the direction that you're going and go the other direction. It means to turn around. To all who are not going towards God, Jesus says, I came to call sinners to turn from the direction they are going and to turn to God. That's why I came, to call them to repent. Turn, because your eternity depends on your turning, Jesus says. He knows there can't be a successful calling of sinners until the ransom price is paid, but once the price is paid, well, the call can be made, can't it? Jesus says that he came to Bethlehem in order to call us to God, to turn, to repent. Though it was an infant cry that first Christmas night, it was a personal cry, wasn't it? It was the cry of God to us, and it was the call to repent. He's calling sinners to repent right now. Every day, the Bible says, 24 hours a day, every day of the year, God is calling sinners to repent. Today, if the statistics are accurate, more than 100,000 people around the world are going to repent. And they're going to turn 180 degrees and they're going to come back. They're going to come to God through faith in Jesus. This is a day of great salvation for 100,000 people. There was a day in your life when you turned, yes? And perhaps if you have not turned yet, today is the day when you will turn. You will repent. Cry out to God. Trust Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. 
and being in an eternal relationship that can never be taken away from you. God is calling to sinners. He does this in two ways. He calls to us through his creation, doesn't he? The Bible tells us that he does that by way of an incredible starlit sky or maybe a a beautiful sunset or when closely looking at a newborn infant's tiny hand or, or the intricate vein system of a leaf or in a million other places in our created world, God's existence as the creator, as the designer, as the maker is, is just being proclaimed. There is a God and he made it all. Creation declares that. And the Bible says that, that no one can ever say to God, I didn't know that you were real. I didn't know that you existed. I didn't know you were calling to me. Nobody can say that because God says, you know, just by looking around you, you know I've been calling to you simply through what I have made, through my creation. I'm here, and I have not ignored you. But here's the thing. While creation can introduce us, To God, it cannot reveal his plan to rescue us and to ransom us, can it? Creation can't tell us about that. And so he gives us his word. And even now, right now, today, in this very hour, Jesus, by his beloved son and by the words that we have been sharing on the screen and on that little handout that you have, Jesus has been telling us about God. His coming. God calling us to Himself. Calling us to to step into His love through simple faith in His Son. God has been faithfully calling to us today. Reminding us where where we will find true forgiveness of sin and a forever future with Him. And that is why Jesus will say in just one more place that we'll consider... In answer to our question, why have you come? Jesus will say this in John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Who is the thief? The thief this, yes, the thief is Satan and his kingdom. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come. What is that? That's Christmas, isn't it? I have come that they may have life and have it how? Abundantly, Jesus says. He's referring here to the life that he has. I have come that they might have my life in them. Life eternal. A personal relationship with God now. That kind of a life that makes life here on earth purposeful and joy-filled, though it's hard and difficult and we live in a a, a sin-infected world. He has come that we might have life, his life right now, but he's also come that we might have that life that comes after this life is done, right? Eternal life with God forever. Jesus says, it's why I came. I came that you might really live through faith in me. That's why I came. And then Jesus will add in the very next verse, John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for his sheep. That's what Jesus did. That's why he came. You know, we have Christmas, church family, because Jesus longed for us to have life. 
Jesus came because God longs for all of us to have his life through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection. Do you have that today? Do you have that life? I hope you do. If you can't answer for sure yes to that question, do not leave today without finding a friend or pulling Brandon or me aside. Let's talk about that. You don't want to leave today without life through faith in Jesus. Jesus, why have you come? Why have you come? His answer, to declare heaven's truth. I've come to do God's will. I have come to search for and find the lost. I have come to pay the ransom price that will set the prisoners free. I have come to call to the Father those whom he loves. And I have come to give life that is really life. Life now and life forever. That's why I've come. Amen and amen.